0: Hello, this is James, and welcome back to The Word is Very Near You, my podcast about the ways God speaks to us in our everyday lives. Thanks so much for being with me today. Today is Good Friday, the day that Jesus hung on the cross and died for the sins of the world. We call it Good Friday, of course, because of the goodness that Jesus brought from this horrible act of torture and death, the fact that he was able to forgive us and give us new life through his vicarious sacrifice on the cross. In the early church, they referred to this day not as Good Friday, but as Black Friday. Black referring to the suffering and death of Jesus. So Black Friday or Good Friday, whichever you prefer to call it, is a holy day on our calendar, a sacred day, a day we remember Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. One of the most remarkable prophecies about jesus comes from isaiah 52 and 53. this is a scripture that's often read on good friday because it speaks of a mysterious figure the suffering servant who will offer to die on his people's behalf this prophecy written some 700 years before jesus is amazing in the degree of depth and detail It conveys about the way this servant is going to die on behalf of his people and the effect of his death. Traditionally for Christians, Good Friday is a day of quiet, a day of reflection. It's kind of a somber day. And so in the spirit of Good Friday, I'm going to take a different approach today. I want the emphasis to fall on these words rather than my commentary. So what I'll do is I'll read the passage once and provide some minimal commentary and then read it one more time. Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12. It goes like this. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred by human likeness. So he will startle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. This is some of the most beautiful poetry in all the Bible. It's for this reason that some people refer to Isaiah as the Shakespeare of the Old Testament. This poem falls neatly into five stanzas, three verses each, and it's an incredible picture of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ, the one who would offer himself for us. And really my comments here just fall along two lines. The first is this idea of a different kind of savior, a different kind of hero, a different kind of rescuer. Who would have thought God's deliverance would look like this? And this is a key theme in Jesus' ministry and life, his rejection and misunderstanding at the hands of those he came to save. They were expecting a very different kind of rescuer, as we would be. They were looking for someone to come and free them from the oppression of Roman rule, Roman occupation, they were looking for a deliverer who would conquer by force of arms, who would defeat the enemy, who would set up his earthly kingdom through violence and force and power and strength. And Jesus was not that. He was a suffering Savior. He was one who apparently conquered through defeat. In their eyes, he was a loser because he died. A crucified Messiah would have been a contradiction in terms for the Jews. It was baffling that this person would claim to be Messiah, but failed to rescue them from their political situation, failed to set up his earthly kingdom. And I think as Americans, we have a bit of trouble identifying with them because we are a superpower. We are used to winning. We're used to being the conquerors. But for Israel, quite the opposite. For most of their history, they were this tiny country that was used to having its butt kicked by the powers around them. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Rome. More often than not, they were the losers and not the winners. And so when the prophecies began to come about the son of David, the Messiah, it immediately recalled their glory days of a fighter like King David. Someone who would win and conquer, like David, through force, through military victories. Someone who would set up an earthly kingdom and be, quote-unquote, successful to be a winner. And yet, when Jesus appears on the scene, he's born in a barn, in an obscure village to an obscure family. And throughout his life, he's poor, he's homeless. He tells these cryptic stories. He hangs out with the riffraff. He doesn't set up an army. He doesn't gather power and political leaders behind him and begin to set up a power structure, a kingdom. No, quite the opposite. In their eyes, he's a loser. He's a nobody. He doesn't fit their idea of what a savior is supposed to look like. And I think, honestly, if it were us, we would have the same struggle. Because think about how many of the action heroes we love in our movies. Think about William Wallace in Braveheart, or Neo in The Matrix, or Maximus in Gladiator, Jason Bourne, Jack Ryan, or even the straight-up superheroes like Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. We love these characters because they win, because they gather an army or weapons around them to defeat the enemy Or they use their superior mental and physical skills to win, to conquer. We love the idea of a conquering hero who rides in on his white horse and vanquishes the enemy. We love that in our collective national story. And we love that also in our personal stories. I think often we are like the Jews in that we are expecting a deliverer in our personal lives who's going to come in and for example fix all of our financial problems or just zap away our depression or wave his magic wand and fix all of our relational struggles and if you've been walking with jesus very long at all you know very often he doesn't work that way certainly there are miracles and there are those moments of breakthrough when amazing things happen through his power but more often than not we deal with a messiah a rescuer who is content, at least for a while, to let us struggle through those things and to slowly begin to unfold new paths of healing and rescue. But it's not the conquering hero, more often than not. It's not the person who whisk away all of our problems at a moment's notice and ushers us into a new life, into victory. Perhaps the most striking image of this in the poem is Isaiah 53, verse 2, where it says, He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. The servant is pictured as a plant that's struggling and really about to die. A tiny shoot growing up out of the dry ground that might not make it. How's that for a deliverer? How's that for a messiah? The second major theme of the poem that I would point out is this idea of substitutionary suffering. The poem talks repeatedly about how this mysterious servant is going to suffer and he's going to be punished. And the common understanding in Isaiah's day was that if you suffered, it was because you had done something wrong. You deserved it. You were experiencing some kind of divine retribution for your sins. That's how most people understood suffering. But Isaiah goes to great lengths here to paint a contrast. Isaiah wants us to understand in no uncertain terms that the servant is innocent, that the servant is simply doing God's will. He is being submissive and following God's plan. He is suffering not for his own sin, not because he's done something wrong, but because we've done something wrong. He is offering himself as a substitute, as a scapegoat is the image from Leviticus. He is bearing away the sins. Of his people through his act of atonement and sacrifice this is the picture of the Messiah a suffering servant someone who bears the sins of others and is punished for their sins not for his own again this would have been a radical departure from how the people of Isaiah's day understood the nature of suffering they would have thought This person is suffering because they deserve it, because they have somehow sinned. And we see in this stark description of Messiah's suffering a picture of the high price of sin, don't we? These words like pierced, crushed, wounds. So often I want to think of my sin using words like mistakes or shortcomings or lapses in judgment. But the Bible will have none of that. This passage calls us to see the high price of our sin and what it cost the servant. It cost him everything. He was pierced. He was crushed. He was wounded because of our sins, because of our transgressions. So this passage forces us to reckon with the depths of our rebellion against God And to call it what it is, to look it square in the eye and understand what our sins, what our faults have done to cause this kind of horrible suffering to fall upon the suffering servant. Good Friday is the day that we honestly examine all of the ways that our sins put Jesus on the cross. One of the ways that we often say this is, it wasn't the Romans who killed Jesus, it wasn't the Jews who killed Jesus, it was you, and it was me. That is the truth of this poem. So here it is one more time isaiah fifty two thirteen three fifty three twelve See, my servant will act wisely. he will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will startle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him Because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Happy Easter! May it give you hope today that you have a rescuer, perhaps a very different kind of rescuer than you would picture, but a rescuer nonetheless, one who offers to take away your sins and to be punished, for your sins, to bear your sins away in his suffering. This has been The Word is Very Near You. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another devotion.